Money is a magnifier or money is a mirror. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Scouts Grow podcast. I am very excited about this episode because I have Kendall Summerhog, who is a money and business coach, and she's a creator of the Sacred Money Archetype Certified Coaching for Women. So Kendall's been doing this for 22 years, and I was so happy to have her on the podcast. Um, a little backstory, I actually saw Kendall when I first moved into the online space and thought, oh my God, she is such a down-to-earth person, and had the opportunity now to actually connect with her and chat with her and she's exactly the way that she is on camera that she is pretty much when you're talking to her off camera so i am so excited about this episode really hope you enjoyed as well so yeah let's dive right into it so kendall welcome to the podcast thank you so much shauna for having me here i'm thrilled i'm very glad that we got to talk about this because money is one of those topics that it's either you, well, let's just say it, we all have money issues. So <laughs> let's talk that's, about it. That's really true. Even if you, you're about to say we either love it or hate it, but even when we love it, we still have money issues, right? It's like we all have it. So yeah. I kind of gave this away, but tell us a little bit more about what you do <laughs> and how you got started. Briefly, what I do at this point in business, I've been in business now over 22 years, which is amazing to me. It still blows my mind. We focus exclusively on certification. So we certify, train and certify women to be coaches, really serving the women's entrepreneurial market. I am a thousand percent invested in supporting women entrepreneurs. And through the certification trainings, that's the way that I can reach, you know, have the biggest impact, have the biggest reach. So we train women to be money breakthrough business coaches. We train them to be sacred money archetype coaches. And, um, and then we have some other money trainings coming up very, very soon. So that's our exclusive focus. Awesome. So how did you get here? Like, you when know, did you... that's the hardest here. question to answer. I have to be honest with you because it's like, you know, I wish there was some really concise story that was like, oh, there was this epiphany and boom, I'm here. But it's not like that. And I think though that First of all, I've always been fascinated by money ever since I was a little, little girl. I mean, like really like six and seven and eight years old, been fascinated with money. They would have um, bank day at my school. And I don't know how often they did this because I have a child's memory of it. So time is a little, you know, warped, but they would, the bank would come and they'd set up a table and they would ask some child to, to volunteer to be banker. And my hand always shot up to be banker. And you'd sit behind this folding table and take kids pennies and nickels and dimes and I don't even think they used quarters back then that you know they kids didn't have that much money and it was to help encourage savings I would go to the bank with my mom I would go I would help my mom my mother worked for herself always she was a fairly successful actually as a hairdresser so she would do her banking once a week and I would help her with that so I was always around a woman working for herself a woman being successful financially and independent and helping with the money and then got into coaching and, and really fell in love with, and I've always been in love with women and entrepreneurship. And then 
through the coaching, we started doing certification back in 2008. So we've done certification for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to run big group coaching programs, you know, and I have to add it up. I've made close to $30 million since 2008, actually, just close to 30 million total. But we really focused the last few years exclusively on the certification. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm now fascinated to understand what are the money rules and why does it matter? I know for you, you're focusing on helping women, but just for general business owners, like why does this matter so much? I think that, you know, there's two ways to look at money rules. There's the money rules that we want to have in our business that we can and be self-determining about them. And then there are the money rules that we want to rebel against, you know, that, and those are good. You want to rebel against them. So I think, and it's a very different experience for women than it is for men. I will never mm-hmm. forget in one of my big workshops when I was leading a lot of workshops and we'd always encourage spouses and partners to come. And I'll never forget, there was a, a husband there of one of the participants. And at the end of the three days, he stood up, he got actually a standing ovation for what he said. And he just very eloquently and simply stated how he never understood until that weekend workshop, how difficult and twisted up women can get around money and how, you know, just what a, what a trial it is for women and money. So I think when it comes to, to rules, it's specific, you know, regardless of gender, regardless of background, it's the biggest rule that gets placed on us that we want to rebel against is how much we believe we're allowed to make. And that, that ceiling gets pressed upon us by family, by the culture we grow up in, by the, the geographic area we grew up in, the religion perhaps mm-hmm. that we grew up in. You know, my parents divorced when I was three, but my father, his religious background, he wasn't a religious person. However, he did have a religious background. And it was that women are supposed to cook and clean and take care of their husband, their man, and have babies. And mm-hmm. I remember him talking to me about this at the age of 14. And at the time, I, I wouldn't have thought a naughty word, but now I would think of the naughty word, the F word. I would want to say it. But I remember at that time sitting there and having him giving me this, like laying out my whole life and having it be pretty, pretty setting the bar very low. And I remember every fiber of my being saying, no, absolutely mm-hmm. not. So I think that, you know, just to circle back, the money rule of how much we can make, I think the money rule of who we are as a person of wealth, as we start to make more money. So how do we show that or talk about it or not talk about it are the rules then that can also be self-imposed about how we are with wealth. Like, for example, people who can start making a lot of money can be very uncomfortable being around friends or family who don't have that level of income. So they start paying for everything, you know, and, and, you know, going out to dinner and paying for everybody as a way to, you know, shed those guilty feelings in that Mm -hmm. moment. And I think some of the other rules obviously are around pricing as well. You know, Mm -hmm. who am I to charge X amount? I don't have this. I don't have that. I mean, I'm sitting here as a self-made multimillionaire and I never graduated from college. I had two years of college, just general education. And you know, so basically I'm a high school graduate and that's it. And, but just to finish up on your question, I, I think that like for myself, I remember early in my business, it's it's different for me now, but early in my business, there was absolutely a motivating factor of just watch me. You think I can't do it? Being a girl, being, you know, without a college education. Oh, you just watch me, you know, and, and a certain aspect of defiance of proving people wrong. 
I've grown mm-hmm. out of that, but but that served me actually that served me making a million dollars. So served me pretty well. So I love that you shared that because I remember when I started, and I've been doing this now for just over like seven years now, mm-hmm. so full time five. You know, one of the things that came up for me was um, when I left corporate and and started doing my own business. I remember saying to my my director at the time that I was going to leave, and he he asked me, "Do you think you're going to make the same amount of money that you're making here?" And I remember stopping and saying, "Of course I am, and more," because I knew I had, and at that time I had a contract that was paying me double what I was making, so I, I knew I was exiting to do that. And uh, I remember, and it never left, and that was so many years ago. Yeah. And it's things like that, that even when I started doing my own packaging and I started, you know, doing conversations with uh, other like HR and like executives about, you know, how much can I charge? It was such a block for me. It was a huge block. And it took a while for me to actually get past that. And it was actually my partner that would constantly say, I don't understand why this is a big deal. He would constantly ask that question. He's like, why is this a big deal? Like, put the number down. It's $50,000. It's $100,000. Put the number down. The work is going to speak for itself. Like, who cares? And I think it's such a great example. See, it was a man who said that. And bless his heart, men just typically, I'm going to generalize here, they typically just don't have the same emotional struggle as women do. So for him, he's like, what's the big deal? The work justified, you know, justifies itself, which is awesome. What a beautiful supportive partner, right? And yet for a woman, we're like, wow, if it were only that easy. And you know, it's when you tell the story about your former director saying that, my first reaction is, oh, really? Seriously? You said that he, he said that to you? But on the other hand, he gave you a gift in saying that. Because in that moment, from what you related, you rose up and said, well, of course I will. So in that moment, you made a decision to make that happen. So Absolutely. he actually gave you a gift. <laughs> Absolutely. And I always remember it. I actually saw him at a restaurant a couple of years ago, like during the COVID time. And I remember, you know, him asking, how are things going? And I said, they're actually great. (laughs) And then I found out through a conversation that he had ventured out and it didn't work out for him. And I guess he projected that in that moment on me to say that, do you think this is going to work for you? But you know, and you really have to think about where all of this, where these conversations go. So this leads me to kind of the the question around common blocks that you, you run into with women and how have you kind of worked through it with them? Because you're, you're working with a ton of different women, different backgrounds, different um, starting points when it comes to money. Like what are some of the things that come up that just blows your mind or? Yeah, you know, nothing blows my mind anymore because I've seen it all. And I, and I truthfully have so much compassion, you know, I have so much compassion for women and their relationship with money. But, and, and you'd be surprised despite the variety of, like you said, backgrounds, income levels, education levels, past successes, none of it really matters. There's so, there, it boils down to like a core set of the most common money blocks, certainly charging. But I think that the biggest one that I see, the one that I am most interested in helping uh, women break through certainly is around pricing. I mean, pricing is, is, is my jam for sure, but, but it's really about the concept of overflow and Mm -hmm. historically, and there's, you know, reasons why, but historically women 
they always seem to have, as far as their, their amount of money, they always have like just enough. Doesn't matter the income level, doesn't matter their expenses level. It's always just enough, plus or minus 10%, you know, like they have a little bit extra or a little bit, you know, of a deficit. And I've seen this with women making 50,000 a year. I've seen it with women making 500,000 a year. I've seen it with women making two and three million a year, having just enough. And so it's, it's that concept of overflow. And I think that that for me is one of the most interesting, fascinating pieces to work with women on to break through that. And again, it goes back to, you know, part of breaking through that is making a decision that I'm going to have more than enough. And then that stirs up all kinds of thoughts and feelings and a lot of money emotions about then who am I to make more than my spouse or partner? Who am I to make more than my parents, you know, or a significant caregiver growing up? Who am I to make more than my friends? Who am I to make more than my team members? You know, I could go on and on. So I think that as women, we have to, we have to do the work and it has to become a habit of, of really stepping into self-defining who am I as a woman of wealth? And I don't say that in, in a flippant way to really say who am I as a woman of wealth? And I think one of the things that's really important to understand is that money does not fundamentally change who we are. Money is a magnifier. I always say money is a magnifier or money is a mirror. So money is going to mirror all the doubts and insecurities and things that we already possess. If they're already there, money just mirrors that. Money also magnifies the core traits of who we are as a person. So back in the day, I worked for 13 years in corporate healthcare in the IT area. And so back when I was making whatever I was making, not, not a lot of money, but, and had team working for me, like I, because generosity and respect, well, really it's respect and dignity are so incredibly valuable to me, so important to me. And so like, I would fight for my team. I would go to the HR departments and just do whatever I need to do, you know, fight, manipulate, beg, borrow, whatever to get my team to be paid even a dollar more an hour. And the same is true today as a business owner, you know, I make sure and pay my team really, really well. You know, and I'm also mindful of keeping the business profitable so that I have money to pay my team so I don't give it all away. But I just think it's important to understand money's not going to change the core of who you are. So get clear on the core of who you are and then decide. You can decide in advance how you want to put those characteristics and qualities about yourself forward as a woman who has more money. So just kind of going down that same vein, what would you say would be like a way that you can start rewriting these money rules or even kind of revise in that money mindset? Yeah. That have? So a couple of things. So one thing is that, and we've kind of touched on this from the side door here, and I want to address it head on. You absolutely need to be selective about who you share your numbers with, because not everyone has earned the right to witness your numbers. Not everyone has earned the right to witness your numbers. And that means that could mean family as well. You know, family, friends. So be selective. Choose the people to share your numbers with. And when I say numbers, I'm talking about your goals, but also your income, you know, your revenue, and then your ultimately your profit. Be selective. Do share it. Don't keep it all secret, but share with people who are going to say, you go girl, and who really are your champion and who think it's fantastic. And they, that does not need to be people who make as much or more than you do. You know, it can just be people who so fully believe in you. I think the other thing that you want to do, going back to this concept of overflow, is you want to be very clear about what your monthly expenses are, both personally and in your business. Mm -hmm. And then you want to 
uh, set an amount that you'll never go below inside of your bank account, both personally and in your business account. And I call that your warrior line. So you want to establish a warrior line and that you just never go below. And, and that warrior line needs to be above and beyond what your you know, expenses are going to be. And to start to really focus on that. And when money comes in, like for you, you do corporate work. So you get some big chunks of money coming in through your deposits and your payments and stuff. And so it's, it's how do you respond when you have that money coming in? And so many women, they act like they're made of Teflon with money. The money comes in and it just goes and slips right off. And I want women to be Velcro with money. <laughs> I wanted to stick to them. So what I always say is to have, when that money comes into your account, any amount, have it sit there. Don't be so quick to spend it or pay off a debt or pay a bill. Don't do that. Even moving it into savings, and I'm a big time saver, even moving it into savings, just wait, wait seven days, wait one week, look at the money in your bank account every single day for one week and notice the thoughts and feelings that come up because those are thoughts and feelings that you absolutely must address and so that you can get more and more and more comfortable having more and more money in your account. And that's how you start to then see, oh, my expenses, and I'll just make up this number, but you know, your expenses are 5,000 a month, but you have 15,000 a month coming in, or you have 50,000 a month coming in and that you get used to having that excess, that's mm -hmm. overflow. And the third thing I would say is that you want to always know where the money's going to go. You know, I, I have lots of money loves statements. And so one of them is, you know, money loves respect. And I always say money loves attention and it will always get your attention positively or negatively one way or the other. You get to choose. But, um, but the main one here is that money loves a home. Money loves a home. So know where that money is going to go, where, you know, into what accounts, like be really specific. And most women don't think about this. They don't have a plan for that money. You don't need to be a financial whiz. I'm not a financial whiz. I do everything with a mechanical pencil and the calculator on my iPhone. I don't use spreadsheets. I mean, I can sort of. It's kind of ridiculous how inept I am with them. I hate spreadsheets. But I know how to create profitable programs and a profitable business. So money loves a home. You have to know where the money's going to go. Those are the three things that I would say. And I, and I think for me, I resonated with that because uh, when I started, I think the first thing I did was take a snapshot of my... Mm my bank account, because it was that moment where I was putting it on my vision board, trying to kind of get myself uh, like, um, I guess I manifested quite a bit. And trust me, I'm not woo woo, but it's just I'm just saying. <laughs> so one of those things that I sat down and I said, this is how much I want to make. And when it landed into my account, I went, Oh, my God, screenshot, put it out there. This is what happened. And these are what I did. This is what I did. And it took me a while to really soak it in. So yeah. it, you know, going back to my partner saying, press the button, submit it. You should actually <laughs> add a buffer, you know, so we could go for dinner right after or something, like do something. And I, I was shaking. I was like, I don't know, maybe that's too much. What do you think? Maybe I should call my friend who does this. Maybe she'll oh, yeah, <laughs> It was so, I, I don't know what it was, but it was such a, an experience because it goes back to, and I think, I don't remember where I heard it, where they said, you know, and this was in the early stages, but they said, depending on how much you made in corporate, like when you made the transition, yeah. there's a bit of a block yeah. when you get there. That's true. So, there's different income ceilings at different levels. And that I think is the first ceiling is 
the money, you know, it can be difficult to imagine making more than we made it at our job. You know, absolutely. That, absolutely. And of course, when you work for yourself, if you only make what you made at your job, you're going to be in trouble because yeah. you have more expenses and taxes. Higher oh, taxes. of course, oh, of course, of course. So, well, you've been doing this for some time. So, what are some of the detrimental beliefs around money when it comes to the feelings? Because I've shared like some of mine um, in terms of, but it goes definitely deeper. But what have you seen? I've seen, um, I think, a lot of fear of judgment because I'm, I'm relating this to pricing. You know, can mm -hmm. I charge X amount, whatever it is? And you are so smart to listen to your partner. Got you know, tell him thank you for me because you know, going and doing a poll, taking a poll of what other people, colleagues charge is so not a good strategy at all. Because especially for women, 98% of all women undercharge. So if you go ask everybody else what they're going to charge, then you're automatically going to undercharge. But I think the thoughts and beliefs are how can I charge that much? What will people think of me? What if they don't think the work is good enough? And yet inside of us, we know our work is amazing, right? Like if somebody mm -hmm. says, do you do good work? You're going to say, absolutely, I do great work. Great. So you want to charge a hundred thousand for it. you're like, oh wow, I don't know. Let me think about that for a moment. You know, I think and as you as I'm answering this question, I think what it boils down to too is that most women, they want to help people. They want to be supportive. They want to help people. They want to please. And I'm not talking about being a people pleaser. I'm just talking about the basic nature of most women. They do mm -hmm. want to know that what they're doing is making a contribution. I think women especially are very contribution oriented. And so when you think about your pricing, then, you know, I think that that subconsciously we think, well, if I charge, you know, whatever it is, a higher amount, is that, is my contribution going to be good enough, big enough? Will it make a big enough difference? And there's lots of ways to work through that. But I think one of them is very practical is that I think one of the mistakes a lot of women in business for themselves make is that they look at the hundred thousand and the contracted amount of work. And they look mm -hmm. at that as a, as a transaction, you know, an equal thing. I'm getting get paid this much. I'm going to do X. And that's fine. It's just fairly limiting to look at it that way. And what you really want to do is you want to look at the, the value of those results that you are creating, but not just the value today, not that's just the value is, you know, 60 days, 90 days. You want to look at the value one year, two years. If you're doing corporate work, that, that even you could go three years, four years out mm -hmm. and really start to, in your mind's eye, in your imagination, really get into detail of, and you're going to have to make some guesses. Obviously you won't know all the answers, but, but to really start to look at how this plays out over an extended period of time. And then you look at the amount you're going to charge and you go, Oh my God, that's a deal. They're getting a deal. And you feel so rock solid in your pricing. You go forward with the hundred grand contract or whatever it is, because you know, it's worth 10 million for the company or whatever it's worth for them. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And because I think over time, I got better at it because when I started looking at exactly what you were saying, I was doing some research in terms of onboarding. And the work that I do is I help with some of the transition of middle managers. And when they come into the role, if you don't do a good job with the initial coaching and helping them transition, you get a high turnover. Not just with the manager, but also with the, with the team. Ah, interesting. And you add all that up. And if you looked at the amount of turnover, not just over of turnover of that one manager, but the turnover then of their replacements and exactly. the other team. And you look at that turnover over, you could pick one year, two years, three years, all three of those, and look at them and start to add it up. 
you can be very conservative with the numbers and it is still going to be a very large number. Very Absolutely. large. Especially if you are bringing in someone who is sourced from an executive recruiter. Right. And then you're you paying that fee. Oh yeah. You have to pay that executive recruiter to, right. to bring that person in. Then whatever that bonus structure is or whatever that sign on bonus is, you, you have that piece in place. And depending on why they're leaving, you might not get any of that back. Because and all the projects, you know, the initiatives that are put on hold or delayed. I mean, you know, to say, wow, if this one middle manager doesn't pan out because they're not onboarded properly through your great coaching and work, that could be worth five, ten million dollars to a company. I mean, it's amazing to think how one person could have the, a ripple effect to that degree. But it absolutely, when you play with the numbers, it's it's right there. And I think that when we you know, people in the consulting space, the coaching space, there's just not enough of that being done. They just, you know, to bring it back, they look at 100,000 for this little body of work. It's like, no, 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 don't sell yourself short and don't sell the company short. It really does a disservice to your potential client to not have them really understand the full impact of what this can do for them or not do if they choose to say no. So course, we want them to say yes. <laughs> exactly. And uh, because I, I recently did a team facilitation and the person that they brought in was responsible for fundraising and she was really good at pulling money in. And uh, she was this close to like just throwing it all in. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I was saying, you know, let's, let's try this, let's work through it and let's see what happens. And, you know, for her, like she was bringing all of her contacts. Wow. So all of her contacts, in addition to her skills, and for that particular area, they needed that kind of funding. So if she had walked or decided that this isn't a good fit anymore, that would have been a huge, huge blow to yeah. that department. And, uh, you know, I remember like just sitting there just thinking, you know, what I charge was absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing based on what this woman, what she was bringing in at any given time for that year, it was going to be absolutely nothing for them to charge it. And, um, you know, part of the reason behind it is now I'm more comfortable with money. Bigger numbers <laughs> and bigger numbers. Bigger, bigger yeah. numbers. Still shake at really big ones, but uh, definitely more comfortable. And, you know, it kind of leads me to kind of uh, the next stage for for like just women business owners in general, like what stage do you think there's that big blockage when it comes to to money? I think that I mean, there's there's several different stages. So the first we talked about is is uh, exceeding your breaking through the ceiling of your prior corporate or whatever it is mm -hmm. salary. So that's that's the first one. I think that it's as a as a consultant or a coach, most women being like a solopreneur having maybe a tiny bit of help. They can get to about two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars working pretty hard. They're going to work pretty hard, and they can't really get past that amount without hiring team, without really starting to see themselves as the CEO. Of course, I would love it if they see themselves as the CEO from day one, but really seeing themselves as the CEO, which I realize can feel a little funny when you have yourself and maybe five hour a week virtual assistant, but you're still the CEO of your business. So I think that that's up right there at the $200,000, $300,000 mark, which can cover for a lot of people's lifestyle. You know, that's a truly a lifestyle business. It can cover most lifestyles reasonably comfortably. And so that's definitely another ceiling. I think so from there, it's then into the million dollar mark. You cannot do a million dollars with the same thinking that got you to two or 300,000. You just can't. You need to start applying 
leverage. You know, you need to look at how to leverage your time by not just hiring team to support you, but really hiring people to do the work for your company, like people who are out, you know, actually going, who are doing service delivery of whatever that service is. Million to two million is around roughly the same. You don't need to change your mindset that much. That's mostly about just marketing, raising your pricing, things like that. Two million is often called a no man's land. And it's, it is really true because around the two million mark, everything changes. Two million is like what 200,000 is. It's the whole other ball game in terms of, of structure, you know, business needing more structure, you know, more levels of employees, a little more formality and really being able to up-level the brand, which sounds kind of trite in a way, but it's really true to up-level one's brand to a whole different level so that you are being seen by much, much bigger companies or potential clients or a greater volume and or a greater volume of companies or clients. So those, and then eight figures is a whole other thing. And I'm talking about not cumulative money. I'm talking about per year. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm speaking to. Yeah. So, um, and I, and I love the way that you've put that all together because that really gives like a really good picture because I know like for consultant for myself, you can write a contract and make that 200,000, mm-hmm. like depending on what, what kind of delivery you're doing. And, you know, when you don't factor in everything else that goes into the business and what you want to do with it, that could easily keep you like this, especially if you have, uh, and this, I'm just speaking from my own experience, especially when you have clients that expect you and they're always looking for you. Right. And then, and then you're caught in service delivery. So you're not marketing and then the contract ends and now you're starting over again. That's a common cycle to get in. So I think that if somebody doesn't want to be in that cycle, it requires a change in thinking, even with the 200,000. So here's what I did. And, and I, you know, I'm a coach, not a consultant. I did a little consulting when I first started and it was not my ball game. I really wanted to coach. But what I did is I went, I made $100,000. The first time I broke $100,000, I was amazed and thrilled. I was like, oh my God, it's twice what I, just about twice what I'd ever made as, a, as an employee. I just, I never imagined somebody making that much money. And then the next year did about the same amount of money. And I thought, this is good. I'm, I'm grateful. This is good, but it's two years in a row. And then the next year did about the same thing. And I went, okay, <laughs> you know, this is not okay to be, I mean, I'm appreciating the money, but three years in a row at the same amount is, is stuck. And so I, at that moment, I did not set my goal to be two or $300,000. I set my goal to be a million dollars. I made a decision to be a million dollar business owner. That's what I made that decision to be. And it only took two years. I went actually from a hundred to 564,000 the next year. And then the year after that, I went from, you know, did a full million. And again, these are each in one year time periods, you know, January through December. And so I think the best way through that 200, 300 land, the best way through is to, is to operate as a million dollar business owner. You just decide that's who I'm going to be. That's my, not only my money goal, but you're really saying that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to see everything through the lens of a million dollar business owner. And I started, when I did that, it scared the heck out of me. I didn't know any million dollar business owners. But I started seeing everything through that lens, starting with my email. How does a million dollar business owner handle her email? And I outsourced cleaning my house because as a million dollar business owner, I don't clean my own house. So, (laughs) um, you know, so those kinds of things. Um, So it wasn't all just in the business that I started to make changes. It was personal too. And I always tell people I have, you know, like I haven't like gone into a store with a list and a grocery cart 
I don't know, in like 15 years. Like, I don't even know how to do that. I've stopped on occasion. I'll stop and buy some cookies and, you know, whiz right out the door again. But no, I just don't do those things. I don't run errands. There's a whole lot of stuff I don't do. And it's not like I'm a diva or anything like that. It's just that I'm very aware of that God put me on this planet to do certain things and to live my life to fulfill my soul's divine purpose as much as I possibly can. And for me, that does not include grocery shopping. So, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> or one running to the drugstore to pick up a prescription. No. So I'm very clear about that. And I'm happy to pay people to do that and appreciate them and appreciate them through how much I pay them and appreciate them through, you know, just by appreciating them, saying, you know, thank you. So I think it's really about that. It's to run your business as a million dollar business owner. And that will get you past that kind of difficult place faster than anything else, because it's going to force you to think differently. A million is so different than 200. It's going to demand that you think differently and look at things differently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That time leverage is quite a mm -hmm. thing. I can tell you that much. Okay. So what is next for you? Next for me is a great question. Really, it's focusing on creating more trainings at different price points. You know, things have changed since the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I really want to get this work into as many hands as possible. And so I have lots of ideas on things. We, I launched a new group just this last month and Secret Energy and Money. I have the Sacred Money Archetype Certification and about to come out with Courageous Money Conversations, which is a strategy I teach for having Courageous Money Conversations with all of all kinds, um, business and in personal life. So I have a lot of different products, uh, you know, trainings that I'll be coming out with here over the next three months to 12 months. And so that's a big change because it's been a long time since I've had a whole store of options for people to purchase. And so that's going to be fun. And I'm really excited about that. Super excited about that. And I'm launching a podcast. We launch in just a few weeks. So oh. it's the Money Coach School. So that that's exciting. We're right as this is, you know, as we're talking today, we are literally in the middle of putting that all together. So that's exciting. We we launch in just like three weeks. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I just love it. So I, I have to, I have to like, uh, do a confession here. I remember when I first came online, I remember seeing something from, I think it was from you. It was like a, an ad or something. And I remember, I just remembered it when I first started doing online and you're still the same, still consistent. Everything's the same. So yeah. I'm very, 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 very glad that we got to do this. And I love for you to share where people can find you. Because like I said, like when I first started, like the information you gave like back then, and I remember briefly, like, you know, like listening and then moving on because I, I tend to do that quite often. <laughs> We, we're entrepreneurs. That's what we do. Whatever <laughs> listening and then moving on. And I can honestly say like the, you're, you're very consistent with the work that you do. So where can people find you? Yeah, they can find me at my website, kendallsummerhawk.com. And depending on when our show is airing, if it's after mid-October 2023, then uh, you can go follow the podcast, which is going to be moneycoachschoolpodcast.com. Awesome. It's all about money coaching. And because I believe to excel as a coach, you need to know how to coach on money. No matter what kind of coaching you're doing, if you're coaching women, you need to also know how to coach on money. So moneycoachschoolpodcast.com yes. or kendallsummerhawk.com. Awesome. I'm glad that you're doing That's that. Exciting. It's the first time I've given the podcast name <laughs> on your show, Shauna. 
That's great. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. No, it's, it's good. You know what? It's good because as a coach, and I remember when I just started, that was one of the things that blew my mind in, when I was doing coaching because uh, I did all the training. And it's always about all the fields and it's like, where's the business stuff? <laughs> right. And the business stuff was like so tiny. So you always kind of miss that in the weeds of things. So definitely we'll be looking forward to that podcast and uh, mm-hmm. we'll put the details in the show notes for everyone when it gets launched. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you again, Kendall. And I really appreciate you sharing all this information and we'll leave everything in the show notes and in the details. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and my honor. Same here. 